Welcome to episode 25 of the SportsLogos.net LogoCast. Our guests this week are the guys behind one of the most recognized names in the sports design community. And these guys have really made their mark in minor league baseball. They are the creative force behind the looks of teams like the Clearwater Threshers, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, Asheville Tourists, Lakeland Flying Tigers, Spokane Indians, and that's just to name a few. They've come up with ideas like the first ever glow-in-the-dark baseball cap. Or how about this one? The first ever on-the-field rally cap. Those are just a couple of the many marketing and design innovations they've brought to minor league baseball. Their stated goal is simple. They want to make your team famous. Now, I'm going to say that the fact that many of the teams they've worked with have seen record merchandise sales indicates that they have achieved that goal more often than they have it. Now, who is this they I'm talking about? They are, of course, Jason and Casey. They're better known as Brandios, and they are this week's guests on the SportsLogos.net LogoCast. So without further ado, let's welcome Brandios to the show. Joining us at this time are the two minds behind perhaps the greatest branding company in the world, Brandios. It's Jason and Casey. <laughs> you can't start out that way. That's not fair. That's so much pressure. <laughs> so, guys, how does it feel to be the greatest ever at anything? <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. I would not know. <laughs> you guys must be having this. This is somebody on after us. <laughs> yeah, great. Who are we, inter- who are we interviewing? Wonderful. Land- <laughs> Landor? Who? Wow. <laughs> All right. Should we, should we go with something? A little oh, less? no. I want to keep that. That was awesome. No, keep going. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> this is it. All right. We're the best. Let's do it. No pressure, gentlemen. You just have to live up to being the greatest ever, so don't let that get in your heads or anything. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Thank, thank, thank you. That's a very kind, kind, but wrong compliment. But thank you. <laughs> Yeah, and, and thanks for having us on the show. I mean, uh, we're, we're a huge fan of you guys, and we're, we love everything you guys are doing. And, um, and congratulations on the, uh, the Creamer partnership. We know it's, uh, you guys must be thrilled. Well, that now makes us the greatest uh, sports logos podcast in the world. So <laughs> That's right. Always. It's a summit of greatness here on the LogoCast today. <laughs> nice. All right, uh I'm sure that just about anybody who's got an interest in this kind of knows the story, but why don't you guys tell us a little bit about how, how you really got started in, in the business? Okay. So uh, Casey and I grew up uh, here in San Diego, and uh, we've been best friends since kindergarten, and uh, we met in Miss Larrabee's class uh, with a behind the blocks of the piano. <laughs> Uh, I remember it in the playground, but whatever. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, so we grew up like a block away from each other, and, uh, you know, we were always doing crazy projects like home movies and parades, and, you know, we were screen printing T-shirts out of our garages in high school. And um, Casey and I, um, what we caught our first job was mascotting for the uh, San Diego Padres. And uh, we did that through a little bit of college, and then um, during college, we started doing logos for um, different high schools in our 
a high school district, and uh, Casey's dad was a football coach um, in the district, so we did some, uh, you know, logos for uh, different high schools. And then um, when I was at uh, Alabama, the um, what do you call it? I was talking to somebody who was in charge of logos there, and they said, you know what, you guys should really think about getting the logo business, and um, maybe you guys should contact some minor league clubs. So uh, we wrote 160 letters to every minor league team across the country. And yeah, this, that was before we knew that e- everyone would have an email address. <laughs> it was literally like, I don't think everyone has an email address. We should probably just write letters. <laughs> so, uh, so we wrote uh, uh, yeah, 160 letters, and um, just one team got back to us. The uh, the West Tennessee Diamond Jacks and they said if they liked it uh, they would buy it and uh, we were off designing uh, you know the the West Tennessee Diamond Jacks brand and then followed up a couple years later with uh, the Clearwater Threshers the Tulsa Drillers and the uh, the Swing of the Quad Cities and um, twelve years later we're doing stuff for Nike and doing some stuff for Mattel um, doing some cool stuff for Hat Club. And, uh, and we just, um, we also, uh, a couple years back, redid the look and feel for uh, the Cincinnati Reds. And that's a little bit about how we got started. The Diamond Jacks were the first team, right, that you did? Yeah. Okay. First, yeah, first professional team, yeah. That had to be a pretty big thrill, I would imagine, right? It was. It was surreal. It was surreal. We mailed all of our uh, concept sketches over, and, I mean, now it's all online, of course. We mailed it over. I mean, we scrambled. We had no idea what we were doing. We just, we just sort of made it up as we went. And I'm sure if we had transcripts of those first calls, <laughs> oh my God, it'd be so embarrassing. But they were patient with us, and um, yeah, they liked they liked the final result. So yeah, that that got us our start. Yeah, that that summer we. Um we converted my bedroom in, uh, at my folks' house in San Diego into an office. That's right. We disassembled Jason's bed like a ship in a bottle and put it in and put it in his closet, <laughs> so that so that his room was just desks. Yeah, and I was like, so when I went to bed at night, I was like sleeping in a tomb. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so we would like. Um, I remember we like, you know, we physically pose for photographs and then. Um, try to emulate this diamond miner in different poses, but um, when they were the Diamond Jacks, they just um, they had a name the team contest long before us, and they weren't really sure what a Diamond Jacks was. So we had um, a Jack of Diamonds was one concept, a Diamond Miner, what they went with, and then we had a Donkey too um, to play on the whole Jackass concept. But uh, I don't think that flew with them. So it's also I think it's the home of like Pringles. All the Pringles are made. In uh, in the town there, so we were like, I think they were trying to appeal maybe to the the Pringle folks. So if you see that, we're, that wasn't our intention, but they, I think, like when I look back at it, they were like, oh, they kept pushing us to make it look more like the Pringle guy. <laughs> <laughs> and they kept they kept on talking about like, oh, we could sell like mustaches in the team store and right. foam pickaxes. That was when we started really thinking about story and merchandise and all the cool, wacky things that you could do with a, with a story. The cool thing about you guys is it goes beyond the logos. It's an entire brand. I live about five minutes from Clearwater, and I remember just the intense branding that the Thresher started to come out with. 
I remember there was a sign. It said, uh, it was something about like a new menace is coming to Clearwater or something. And it had like a hazy shark. And I had no idea what it could possibly mean. And yeah, the, turns out it, the, it, it was one of my favorite minor league logos, probably out of everything. That's cool. Yeah. Clearwater, Clearwater has been a client of ours for how long now, Jay? 10 years or something, yeah, something like, like that? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. They're, they're an amazing partner for us. And, uh, yeah, they let us really goof off. And <laughs> so you've probably seen our horrible TV commercials that we do. Uh, are you guys in the commercials? Oh, yeah. I, I've seen a lot. <laughs> uh, we do. I mean, they're fun, and they, they. I think they do. They serve their purpose, but they're pretty goofball and low. They're pretty. They're pretty. Uh, yeah. Let's just say we we do them on a shoestring. <laughs> but we do. You know, we do puppets. We do crazy, weird stuff. They really. They really let us run with whatever whatever we want. They're they're really they're really fun. Yeah. I remember after the brand uh, project, they asked us. They said, "Do you guys do?" Uh, TV commercials in case I looked at each other like, yeah, sure, we do TV commercials. <laughs> of course. Of course, of course we do, yeah. <laughs> and then we're like, we got to figure out how to do TV commercials. Just listening to you at this point, do you ever stop and just go, how the hell did we get here? Because it sounds like a, a lot of times you hear the story of a business and there's this, this great plan and everything, and it sounds to me like you guys are just having fun, and it turned out to be a way to make money. <laughs> I mean, that's partially true. I mean, we... I mean, I think that is the plan, is just have fun, you know? But we maybe, I don't know how long, I mean, you know, once it became our full-time gig, once we were out of school, you know, we we have, we're, we're planners too, for sure, you know? But I think, I, I think like, the, the Clearwater Project, we were, when we started off, we were like, we're going to work on this team in Clearwater, and, um, and I remember we did an arena football team called uh, the Albany Conquest, and we did the logos, and then we we showed up to a to a game after the you know the first game. And I remember looking at Casey, and I was like, "Do you feel like this is the right look for this team?" And he said, "Well, if I would have visited, I think I would have done a couple of things differently." And so we were like, "Well, maybe for this Clearwater project, we should just fly out to Florida and do some research." Um, so that's um, you know a lot of it was like you said, like on the fly. You just think like, "Oh, it would." Let's do some research and let's figure out what it's like and let's put our boots in the ground and fly out to Clearwater. Yeah, I think it's more about like I think I think we just are obsessive about our service that we provide and we're just always trying to improve our service. And that really is what makes us stand out and I think it gets us a lot of work is that we're just obsessively trying to improve our, our product and our service. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely, you know, obviously it wouldn't be a stretch to say that you guys have definitely carved a niche. And obviously you've done other things. You mentioned arena football. You've done the the Reds. But minor league baseball has kind of been your bread and butter. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, they've – I mean, it's it's, – we're so fortunate to be a part of minor league baseball. They have embraced us in an incredible way. Um, You know, it's a small community of, of operators and owners. And um, they transfer around a lot. You know, I think a lot of people think that uh, people that run minor league baseball teams want to get into the big leagues or something like that. It's very rare. They they get in it because they love minor league baseball. It's such a different. It's just it doesn't even compare to a major league, a major league job being an executive at a minor league club. And so everyone sticks around. Everyone talks a lot. And so for us, for us being a really small business. You know, we don't have a big marketing budget, so it's great to be in a an industry that you can kind of know everyone and 
uh, it's really helped us grow our business. So we, yeah, we've concentrated on minor league baseball. They've been so good to us. And, uh, yeah, we're so grateful to be a part of that industry. What have been some of your favorite looks that you've ever worked on? I know that's kind of a loaded <laughs> question. Casey, which, which child is your favorite child? <laughs> oh, man. They all have their own thing, you know. I mean, the ones, the ones that I actually look back on most fondly are the ones that were made probably the toughest. Like, I'm thinking about, like, um, when Clearwater wasn't tough, but that was definitely one that got us started and uh, got us our big kickstart in, you know, into who we kind of are, helped us define what sort of service that we provide. So I'm fond about that one. But, you know, just design-wise, like the Casper Ghosts, I mean, that was like a two-year process where at some point, you know, we were hitting the deadline for the following year to have the artwork had to be done. And the owner was like, no, like I'm not ready yet. So, you know, we just kept working on it for a whole nother year. And the result is like totally unique and totally bizarre. I think that also got us kind of kickstarted on the whole, like, what can we do that's new? Like what, you know, what, what new thing can we do to help make the design and the brand stand out. So like that was the Casper Ghost with the glow in the dark G hidden glow in the dark G first glow in the dark official on field hat. I mean design wise, I I don't know, they all have they all have they all have stuff that I like, you know. Clearwater obviously is a huge favorite because of what we've been able to do. Um, right. you know, just ex- expanding that story into everywhere in the ballpark. But I think for for me, my, my favorite projects are the ones where there's like really good stories. So like when we went to Spokane and met with the tribal right. the tribal elders um, of the Spokane tribe to do their rebrand, because when we when we were working with the Spokane Indians, um, there was there's two thoughts of handling the Native American project. One of them was like the Redskins, which is we're going to be the Redskins. We don't care what people think. We don't care who we offend. Like that's just the way it's going to be. The other way is what a lot of universities did, which was we don't even want to touch the issue, so we're going to rename the university's mascot. And I think um, Casey and I were looking at each other and we're like, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we're, we're the Spokane Indians. We were named after the Spokane Indian tribe, not the Cleveland Indians. Uh, we've been around for 100 years, and we have a great relationship with the, the Spokane tribe of Indians. And so we were like, well, why don't we just – Go collaborate with the tribe because um, they had a, a great tribal artist named George Flett who had some uh, inspiring um, uh, artwork, and so we physically like got into a van. We all drove up to uh, the tribal, the reservation, I guess, up in the uh, Spokane Mountains, and sat down with the tribal elders, and they gave us their blessing to use um, the feather and the logo. Um, and we, you know, we looked at things like salmon and horses, which were part of their culture. Um, but it was the very first collaboration between a Native American tribe and a sports team in a positive way where everybody was trying to celebrate this heritage. Um, so I think, you know, sto- stories on one hand like that and then other stories like, um, when we worked with the Lakeland Flying Tigers, Tiger Town down in Lakeland is built on the former Lodwick Airfield, which trained like 2,000 pilots for World War II to uh, 2,000 British and, and American World War II pilots. So they have, you know, the barracks are still there, and the mess hall, the cafeteria is where all the spring training players work. So, you know, moving all of that 
uh, World War II imagery um, from their heritage into the brand. I just I love that storytelling of finding hooks in towns that you just don't expect. I love when there's a cool story that emerges that's totally unique but really authentic to the experience. That's always really fun. One of, another one of my favorites is Asheville Tourist, just from design standpoint. You know, Asheville's like a total hippie town, college town, beautiful architecture, gorgeous scenery, an amazing food culture, and it's always fun to design something with in a, you know, for a city that's so rich in culture, you know, and then fighting, fighting fills is probably one of my new favorite, partially maybe because of the controversy, <laughs> but, but I, you know, I just think it's fun and the Reading Phillies guys are just, or the Reading fighting fills guys are just the, you know, they're like the coolest. They run such an amazing show up there. I love that they just picked this, this, you know, they found this amazing animal to hang their hat on the ostrich that's so unique so minor league baseball it's going to be really exciting to see what they do with it speaking of the the stuff that you guys do the process is it is there ever a point where say one of you has the idea and the other one says okay i'm gonna let you run with this or is it always collaborative how do you guys work out how it all comes out in the final wash the first step for us is going out and doing the the visit so we spent a couple of days in meeting with the staff. We meet with community leaders. We meet with um, sponsors and fans, and we just become honorary citizens, and we immerse ourselves in everything that there is to know about that town. And we talk about folklore, and we talk about the heritage and the stories. Um, <laughs> we, we, just, we talk about religion, politics, and everything that um, you know is taboo, but we just we put it all on the table, and we learn about uh, just everything there is to know about the team. Um, you know, we go out, um, have a couple of uh, after-hours beers with the, the staff, and we just, we just, I think, become honorary staff members as well. So we're all on the same page right off, right off the bat when we hit the drawing board. And a first round is we, this, there's just no limits. There's no rules. There's no bad ideas. We just throw everything at the wall. Um, we try to tie it back into what we've learned during our visit. We try to put a couple of hooks in there, things that you know we think will make it stand out. And you know, we're always asking ourselves. What are we going to do that's going to make this team famous? Like, what what's going to make this look stand out in a way that people get, you know, people are talking about it? And I mean, that's that's really our philosophy behind it. Is that if somebody if if nobody's talking about your brand, then it's dead. I mean, if you think about 160 minor league baseball teams, and then you think about 30 major league teams in the NFL, and the NHL, and universities, and the amount of sports teams in America, I mean, thousands of sports teams, just to be able to, to get on the map is, is really difficult. Um, but that's what, you know, from, from also from like, you know, from promoting the team to like the retail side, that's really our goal. So there's, I don't know that, you know, I think there's like the, like the boldest idea, a little bit less bold, and then, you know, mildly bold. But everything that we do, I mean, we just there's there's not a lot of pre-editing. We just throw it on the wall and then we sort it out and and the clubs provide feedback and we provide feedback and it's really it's really a genuine collaboration. Like oh, what if we did this? Then you know, um, 
you know, we like, you know, in Lexington, you know, they really wanted to keep their, their mascot, Big L, who was a staple of the franchise. And we just thought like, let's just put a mustache on the hat. And they were like, I don't know if the mustaches were going to work, you know, like, well, you know what, but we make it the road or an alternate and see how it works out. And, um, it was one of those off the wall ideas that they sold out of hats instantly. Um, they can't keep them on the shelves. So it's, um, there's no, there's not a whole lot of editing and there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of the conversation lends itself into how is this going to play out from like a fan experience standpoint? And, you know, where can you take this above and beyond the logo? Because so much of what we do is entertainment design. Minor league baseball is unique in the sense that the major league teams pay for the players and they pay for, um, you know, everything that happens on the field. But most minor league baseball teams are privately owned by private owners, and the game goes on whether or not fans show up or not. So the private owner is responsible for making sure that, you know the, the fans show up and making sure that money is generated on uh, you know concessions and tickets and all that stuff. So the thing that makes minor league baseball a little bit different than most sports teams is that because. Um, if you're just sort of responsible of having an event, whether, you know, fans come or not, the owners started like getting into promotion. So, you know, if we give away bobbleheads, maybe we can get the fans to come out. If we do wacky entertainment acts, you know, we get the fans to come out and the ownership makes money by uh, the tickets and the merchandise, all that stuff. And so today there's about 80% of the fans who are there just to have fun. And there's only about 20% in minor league baseball who are diehard baseball fans, you know, stat hounds following statistics. So the when it comes into our universe, our work is way more like P.T. Barnum than it is about George Steinbrenner. It's definitely more entertainment. How do we take this design? What's the hook? How is it going to work in the fan experience? What can we sell in the team store? Um, and, and that's a little bit about how our thought process goes when we, uh, when we build a brand. Yeah, just just to double back on 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 the process some more, just from a design standpoint. You know, we take a lot of photos when we're when we're in the town. We do a lot of um, we have kind of a giant pool that we throw inspirational images and uh, ideas that we've come up with on the trip or after the trip into kind of a big hopper. It's a lot of sort of casual conversation before uh before we actually begin designing but then in the end it's really what the what the club wants what their vision i mean so much of what we do is about bringing their vision to life so what they're comfortable with we hope to push them a little bit out of their comfort zone <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know you know thank thank goodness for uh, alternate hats <laughs> you know because we can always say well maybe you're not comfortable making that your home designation but let's make it an alternate see how it does and then you know a year later it becomes our home hat that 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 happens sometimes i, I think casey makes a great point was like we never really force our ideas on people it's right it's i mean it's, you know they got to live it they got to eat it they got to breathe it every day and while we're a sort of a creative partner of theirs, we want to make sure that they feel comfortable with it. Because if we say, "Hey, this is going to work. You got to do this. You got to do this," um, and they're against it, it just it sort of makes for a bad relationship in general. Speaking of that, what's a good example of a team that really wasn't on board with one of your ideas, and you kind of had to coax them along a little bit? And then when it was all said and done, they were like, "Wow, this is you know we were you know what I mean? We were off the mark, and we're we're glad we went this direction." 
I mean, Lex, Lexington, yeah. Lexington's a good example. I think Asheville may have been, there may have been Brian DeWine, the, the owner-operator there. I think he was a little nervous about our <laughs> Mr. Moon concept, maybe. Although, maybe not. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. I think, well, I mean, the, the hook to the, uh, the Asheville story was that Mr. Moon uh, pays homage to an old Asheville team name, which was the Moonshiners. Right, and there was some discussion about whether or not we could rename the team the Moonshiners, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's just not going to fly." So, Mr. Moon became uh, the genesis of that. But I was I was just talking with the Lexington guys this week, um, and we were having like just a debriefing call about the experience and you know built, bringing the brand to life. And they said, "You know what? Right off the bat, we weren't sure the mustache was a good idea." Um, so, you know, we put it as an alternate, and. And now it's doing great. So um, I think that's that's probably the most recent example. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you another one we did. It wasn't a logo project, but in Clearwater, the Tampa Bay Times gave Clearwater one of those um, newspaper bags. So basically the, it was a newspaper bag, and the, the, the threshers were going to advertise on a newspaper bag. And they wanted to advertise – all you could eat Mondays, where for like, I don't know, 11 bucks, you could eat all the ballpark food you wanted. And we had this like airline safety card illustration about how to use the newspaper bag as a barf bag from all the food you were going to eat. So, um, and I, I remember that one not flying. <laughs> yeah, that didn't make it. Uh, I think I think our ad, I think our TV ad we pitched for that for the all you could eat night was just a shot of a garbage can at the ballpark, and then a guy running up to the gar to the garbage can like heaving into it, and then text over it that said all you could eat Mondays at the Threshers. <laughs> and they, yeah, they, yeah they, like, mm, I don't know, that's a good one. <laughs> About Asheville, I just want to say, I don't even know how you guys came up with glow-in-the-dark caps, but that's just, that just blew me away the first time I heard about that. <laughs> well, that really, the, the glow-in-the-dark thing really started us down, like, you know, how can we think about the cap in a new way? And, like, our think about the cap is like an experience. I mean, one of the best-selling minor league caps in history is the is Lake Elsinore Storm and the, the eyes on the cap, you know, that was done before our time, and it's a classic. But I, I've th I thought a lot about, like, why, why is that hat so popular? And there's obviously, like, the aggression thing, and that sells well with, you know, teenagers and stuff like that. But I think, the, the, like, what I got out of it is it's, like, it's almost like you're putting, like, a monster on your head when you're wearing that Lake Elsinore hat with the eyes. And I, you know, like conceptually, I love that idea of, of, of like, okay, so you put like this hat becomes like a monster that you wear on your head. So with the glow in the dark, it was like, okay, so, you know, can we reveal something that is, can you, can you create like an, a, an intimate experience when the, when the kid goes home at night and like takes his hat off, puts it on his dresser, you know, his parents say goodnight to him, he flips the switch off and then all of a sudden there's this like, boom, gee, that like, you know, there's like, can we like continue that story? So then, you know, so we're still, we're always looking for fun ways to like rethink the hat, make the hat more iconic, make the experience of buying a hat cooler. Um, another um, example of that is um, the Altoona Curve. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Altoona Curve have this um, have this mascot has this mascot called the uh, Altoona, and he is this essentially just crappy goldfish costume that pops out of this hole in the wall in the outfield wall 
during what home runs? Yeah, so a run scored. Yeah, so a run scored, he pops out and and he pops out and, the, and, the, and he's never he's never on the concourse. Yeah, you can't you can shake his can't hand. Can't his autograph. Can't shake his hand. Right. And so we were like, all right, so. He, I think he pops out to sort of get people riled up. Yeah. So, so like yeah. he was like the player was on second base, and they yeah. had like a Wayne's World clip, and they were doing Bohemian Rhapsody in the Pinto, and here was Altoona like in the back seat. Yeah, they like they like green screened him in. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden the players on third, and they're like, "Who wants to see Altoona? Who wants to see Altoona?" Which basically means who wants to see a run scored. Right. Yeah, so then we, you know, we we played little league and we were mostly on the bench, so we 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 knew uh, how to help the team out by not being in the field, and that's the that's to turn your hat inside out, you know, to make it a rally cap. So we were like, all right, well, let's, let's can we make can we print Altoona print on the inside? Um, I don't think it's a very practical hat for wearing on the field, <laughs> but you know, it's a it's a cool it's a cool story and. Um, and it's a first, first uh, official on-field rally cap in professional baseball. You'd mentioned before a little bit about the controversy around the around the fighting fills and everything, and uh, it's definitely one of the more controversial in a lot of ways uh, releases you guys have done. Uh, was the plan the entire way to have the home and road sets that were basically completely different, or did that kind of come across in the in their process? That was the intention the entire time. Um, it, you know, the publicly it got unveiled um, all at once, and I think that the, the on the back end it was a little, you know, there's a little bit of a, of a um, the timeline was a little more stretched out. So, so for example, since the, the mid '90s, Reading has always called itself Baseball Town, um, and it's been, you know, a celebration of Mike Schmidt. You know, Ryan Howard, all the Phillies greats and the great players, uh, not only who played for the Phillies organization, but also the players who played for, uh, you know, the Reading Red Sox and the Reading Indians and, and just the history of baseball in Reading. So they've always called themselves Baseball Town. And it's, that's also the charity arm yeah. of their club, too, Baseball Town Charities. So they do, they build ballparks for underprivileged communities for kids in that in that area they provide uniforms for them and they all do it under the banner of um baseball Baseball town yeah so they sponsor like casey said like uh traveling teams and you have these kids that wear these shirts you know they'll be in like the ripkin little league um world series and they'll have like baseball town across their chest and um you know the baseball town concept is really a celebration of uh, and an advertisement for the history and heritage of baseball in Reading. The guys in Reading thought, hey, you know, we have all these Little League players promoting baseball town uh, on the road. Why don't we celebrate this wacky universe that we have going on uh, inside baseball town? And, you know, baseball town sort of a concept, sort of a destination, um, and making it its own identity. Um, because, you know, they were talking about they have a lot of people who visit all the minor league parks. And in the same way you go to Cooperstown, you get a Cooperstown T-shirt. They were like, well, you, you know, we want people to be able to come and get a baseball town T-shirt. Um, and it sparked this whole identity um, and a color scheme. And so, for example, like when you go to the ballpark, you walk under a giant sign that says, welcome to baseball town. Uh, and they see baseball town is, is, is that you know inside the walls of the ballpark, and so when you walk in, there's you know baseball town has its own mascot. Baseball town, you know, the ballpark colors are the same colors as um, 
you know, as, uh, as the baseball town identity. So baseball town is really sort of about a destination and a concept um, that is, you know, the history and heritage of baseball in Reading, Pennsylvania. And then, the, you know, the, obviously the, the fight in Sills has its own color scheme that's separated. Right, so the idea, I think, was, was when, the, when the team goes on the road, right, they're advertising going to baseball town. It's, it's essentially like a, it's, it's a it's, it's like a new way of thinking about having Cincinnati on your jersey when you're away to show that you're from Cincinnati. This is just a new, a new way of thinking of that. Yeah, and, you know, because it's, we, we started talking philosophically about what a road jersey means and what it, you know, especially in minor league baseball. And if you live in Harrisburg or you live in Trenton and you see Redding come, you'll see Portland come through. Um, most fans, you know, if 80% of the fans are just there to have fun and not watching the game, uh, it's pretty difficult to get them to pay attention to, you know, the road team and the road jerseys and what that is. So we thought to ourselves, well, if it says baseball town across the chest, then somebody in Harrisburg or somebody in, um, you know, in Altoona will say, what's baseball town? Who's baseball town? And then people will start talking about that and say, oh, you know, that's Redding. And, oh, why do they call it baseball town? Well, they have this history of baseball. So for us, the concept of baseball town was to generate buzz about the Redding franchise for visiting fans in other, uh, other, te- in other markets as well. Whenever you're talking about some of your favorites, uh, the ones that you listed basically kind of rounded out my favorite minor league logos list that we did a few months back, which was kind of, but uh, I do want to say just kind of a short thing. I love the Spokane Indians uh, alternate that has the, the Spokane language on it. That was just a brilliant way, I thought, to kind of bring it in. And then you mentioned how long you guys had worked on the Casper Ghosts, and it seemed, unfortunately, you guys might have ended up working on it longer than they weren't. <laughs> that's true that's true kind of keeping with the with the ghosts which is just one of my favorite all-time looks and you know it's a shame the team had to pack up and move because i was just i mourned that logo and i had, had nothing to do with it so <laughs> but uh, uh you can't do yeah, we we didn't mourn it you shouldn't mourn it either it's fine it had a, it had its life it had its life it's great you know i'm glad we did it i'm proud that we did it but it's fine everything everything's got to change <laughs> He had, but, a little, uh, about, had a little funeral for it and everything. Imagine the irony. Absolutely. Oh, man. That <laughs> <laughs> awesome. just haunts me throughout my apartment. So. I love that. <laughs> kind of getting into some of the stuff there, uh, the, especially the glow in the dark. Now, that was very a very progressive idea at the time. And has there been anything that you guys have kind of come up with that um, – for ideas that just the the uniform manufacturers have not been able to pull off or it's just something where you had this really good idea and it just wasn't able to come together like you had like you had it on paper yeah, yeah absolutely so just this last year with the Eugene Emeralds you know we the, their their identity up to that point they just never even defined what an emerald was i mean it was the color i guess of the foliage or yeah. i mean it's it's an old school name but so we were like, all right, we got to we got to we got to come up with a story for this for this name and for this team. So we came up with a Sasquatch concept, and they really liked that. So then you know we sort of created this whole. We just started churning out ideas. What can we do? What can we do to make this uh, 
this concept even more iconic and more memorable, more get more people talking about it. So we were so we worked with New Era for a really long time trying to get a fur, do a full fur logo with like fur coming out of the hat. And it just never <laughs> Yeah, the uh it just never it never worked. The the um the fur looked like pubic hair. <laughs> it just didn't it just didn't like we got the samples back and it was it was cool because the the, the conceptually it was it's the E logo if you're familiar with it. And the raised part was the raised uh, embroidery looked like the pad of the Sasquatch foot. So it was, Yeah, so if you can imagine like the paw of like a furry animal. Yeah, yeah. And then the black area that surrounded it was going to be this, uh, what we envisioned as being Sasquatch fur. Um, <laughs> and it was going to be cool. I mean, it was going to be the first fur hat on field. Um, but it just, the time. It looked like someone got creative with their creative in shaving their pubis region. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was a really disgusting looking sample. <laughs> yeah. That was fun though. Can't imagine why uh, that one wouldn't have gone over with the family friendly environment. <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, there was two parts of it. One was a one was a like, as we discussed a quality control issue, um, but the other one was uh, a manufacturing issue. They just it couldn't it did it just couldn't you know the, the amount of fur that was going to appear was going to appear on it. We just we just couldn't get it right. You guys came out with some pretty wild uh, new uniforms for the. Eugene Emeralds. Was that your guys' idea, or who, who was one yeah, that was brainchild behind the camo? <laughs> so, so the uh, they're not a fish. Not, everything's not a. There's been some leaks, so we'll say, so we can speak hypothetically. <laughs> oh, that's right. So uh, there's some. There's been some leaks, but we can hypothetically speak uh, about the uh, home jersey. The road jersey, I don't know. I know you guys talked. We, we listened in when you guys spoke with Alan and, and Eugene. I don't know if you talked about the road jersey, but uh, we can hypothetically talk about the home jersey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it was that, that came out of our partnership with Wilson. They were they totally uh, indulged indulged our whimsy, and um, you know, I think I think a lot of that came out. Of, I don't I don't really like dark top top jerseys with white pants. I think it looks it like it like bifurcates the body in a way that it makes the player look smaller. If that makes sense. So if a, if a player's in all white or pinstripes, it even help this fact too. It just sort of makes the player look bigger. Um, you can easier, more easily see them on the field. And so, I, I you know we wanted to come up with a way how do we reinvent that concept so where we can like rethink the like silhouette. Of the of how like the body is broken down of the player, and so that that came out of this this idea of like the fade, where we would essentially raise the belt line of the jersey by by having this fade. So now it's not a color tucking into a belt into white pants. It's that fade which elevates that white thing, and it sort of draws more attention to the chest. It makes the player look larger. Um, and then we, you know, and then once we had that concept, we're like, all right, now how do we, how do we make, how do we tie it back into the story? So, you know, Oregon is so green and lush, and and they get the moss, get the mossy woodlands and everything. So we're like, all right, let's come up with like a cool abstracted mossy tree, 
I always picture Sasquatch as this like, you know, hulking guy, you know, roaming through the roaming through the the woods. But then, you know, if he stumbles across humans, he can like crouch down in the in the moss and like totally be hidden. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you know, like he just has moss growing on him, maybe or something like that. So we're like, all right, well, what if like a uniform almost had like moss, like a graphic moss sort of look to it. Um, I mean, another good example of that same technique that we use with Wilson too is the is the recreation of the flannel for the fight and fills. Um, Jason did some exhaustive research with a historian to find what was the jersey? Yeah, it's the it's the I think it's the 1950 something Whiz Kids Phillies jersey. And so yeah, so he was a historian and he also was a mathematician, I think. And he pulled out a micrometer and was able to find the exact, like, to the hundredth or millionth or whatever of an inch, <laughs> like, the pinstripe combination from the, that old WizKids jersey the Phillies had. And so then we digitally recreated that and the, the faux flannel concept. Um, and it's the first time that it's been used on a professional baseball team. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, if you see it in real life, even up close, you can't tell you can't tell that it's printed. It's very until you touch it, until you see the backside that's white that doesn't have the print on it. You really can't tell. I mean, the effect is is incredible. Yeah, it looks like it's it's a, it's a modern uniform. Looks straight from the like the fifties. Yeah, with a modern cut and the modern material, it's pretty it's pretty cool. It came out really great. I was just going to go back to that uh, the leak you were talking about for a second. Uh, we just we happen to be responsible for that, by the way. The uh, the leak of the jersey. <laughs> so all right, all right. I, you know, all right, we blame you. I, yeah, you can, well, Alan gave us permission to do it, so we uh, we thought that's we why you guys are the greatest podcast on earth. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, this, this is a, a, a summit of greatness here. Yeah, so uh, we here, for better or worse, are generally big fans of the insane one-off jerseys that have become very common in minor league baseball. Whenever it's a team that you guys have worked with, they're doing it like the Iron Pigs. I know they did like a prom night where they all wore tuxedo jerseys, situations like that. Do you guys work on the theme jerseys or do they just take your artwork and they go it without your input? Yeah, that's about uh, I'd say we do about 30 percent of them. So, for example, um, we did a special aquaflage jersey so it's camouflage but it's for the navy and it's that navy uh, it's called aquaflage and we did an aquaflage specialty jersey um for military appreciation uh for the everett aqua socks and um one of the logos that we did was they're huge everett's a huge um has a huge naval base and we have um sort of like a, a Navy SEAL-style uh, logo that's part of uh, their alternate marks that is a frog wearing a officer's hat, and he's around a trident, like a, you know, an anchor and a trident. Um, and so that was like the sleeve patch on that. Um, we did some tie-dye stuff for, um, you know, 70s night and 60s night. And also um, this year we're going to be doing um, some some promotional jerseys for – uh, they spoke in Indians, but in, you know, it's obviously a lot of clubs have done some cool stuff there. Um, one of my favorites that we didn't do was there was a haunted house night, um, Halloween jersey or something that, um, uh, the Wilmington, uh, excuse me, the Williamsport Crosscutters did. That was cool. Um, the, uh, the Redding guys did a, uh, crazy hot dog vendor jersey and the crazy hot dog vendor is the guy that rides the ostrich that throws the hot dogs into the crowd so they did a a, a tuxedo uh, a not a tuxedo but like a 
soda shop type jersey for uh, for that. So there's uh, yeah, there's a lot of cool one-offs, and I mean the Iron Pigs do some great stuff with the tuxedos and everything that they've done. Definitely going to be looking forward to whatever whatever is coming out later this year. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. We definitely don't want to take up you guys' this entire afternoon, but before we get out of here, one thing that I definitely wanted to ask is uh, where do you guys see Brandios going next? What's the next step in what you guys are doing? <laughs> well, you know, the clink room is uh, moving into a new a new phase in the next couple months. We are going to be rebooting that site. Hack Club has become a, a bigger presence in uh in the clink room they are they're handling all of the fulfillment for the hats we sell and um they are also going to allow us to produce more hats for the contests that we run so we're really excited about that uh we want to up the amount of contests we want to essentially have a contest running all full time and they're going to allow us to do that which is really cool you know we're still we're nike nike is still a big a big part of what we're doing we're excited about things we're doing with them um hack club is going to continue to you know um to do our we're going to still do our collections for hack club you know minor league baseball is still the core of our business and um this 2013 is going to be another good year for us we're we're really fortunate and uh we're we have a lot of fun projects that are be coming out uh the big new part of our business that we're really excited about is um we have a partner out of uh reading that are media partner and we are creating uh, an app for minor league baseball with them it's a very fan-centric app um it's all about like coupons and what's going on in the park and how to sign up for stuff and um the sort of in everything that goes on outside of the foul foul lines it's a really cool app we're really excited about it we've been working really hard for about a year or so on it with them and uh, that's going to be unveiled for around 10 to 12 teams maybe uh, are going to use that app next year or for this year for 2013 and uh, we're really excited to see where that's going to go that actually answered what was going to be my follow-up if that was going to be writing centric or if it was going to go around yeah no it's uh we have we have 10 teams signed up um it's going to start in reading um that we're we're pioneering it with but um Minor league baseball is such a unique business, like we talked about, like you guys know. If you are a baseball fan, there's a lot of great apps out there, you know, to get stats and scores and to, you know, follow players. But if you're there just to have fun and you want to, um, you know, to participate in what's going on on field, the in-between inning contests, um, you know, as Casey described to me once, He's like, this is like a video game controller for a sporting event where the fan is in charge and the fan gets to choose what happens around the ballpark and participate. And we think it's going to be, it's going to be really cool. So if you're in a, you know, one of those minor league towns, definitely, uh, it's, it's going to be a fun part of the fan experience. Yeah. And Redding, Redding introduced us to this, to this partner that's helping us, you know, build this, this new app. They're called Launch DM. They're a really great company. And I think, Reading was disillusioned with some of the apps that were out there because they were so baseball centric and they wanted something that felt more authentic to their brand, which is so fan centric. And they knew that we understood that. So they came to us and they said, you guys understand our business. And these guys are great at programming and working with the software. Uh, you guys should get together. And so they put us together and they've been a really cool partner. Um, and one more, one more thing I'm excited about for the next year or two is uh, Wilson too. We, we have a 
we have a great relationship with them. And uh, from a design standpoint, I can't wait to see what we get to do with, with all of their technology and all of their eagerness to push production. And, you know, everything is made in the U.S., so we get samples right away. It's a really amazing relationship. Yeah, that definitely sounds awesome. Uh, uh, it's Brandios.com, theclinkroom.com, and then you guys are on Twitter at, at Brandios. We are. The, definitely uh, at the Clink Room is also the other Twitter handle, and, uh, and the Clink Room has a Facebook page, and we're a little more active on, uh, on the Clink Room's Twitter site and Facebook page. So definitely um, if you want to follow behind the scenes of what goes on and um, want to participate in our design contest and always dreamed of, of seeing one of your designs on a new era cap, um, definitely check those out. We'd, we'd love you to uh, be a part of the community. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for sharing you guys. your day with us. I just want to say I think what you guys do in minor league baseball is great. Um, I love the, the fun aspect of, of minor league baseball, so keep up the good work. Yeah, and we're a huge fans of everything you guys are doing. We wish you guys continued success and um, would love to come back anytime you have us. You have an open invitation. Yeah, absolutely. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right, thanks, Jason. Thanks, Casey. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye. See ya. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the SportsLogos.net LogoCast. If you've got any questions, comments, ideas, whatever, you name it, we want to hear from you. You can reach us via email at podcast at thelogocast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. That is at thelogocast. And be sure to check out our Tumblr page. We've made some changes to it, so now you can keep up with all the breaking uniform news right as it happens via our Tumblr page, and that is thelogocast.tumblr.com. Once again, thanks to Jason and Casey from Brandios. For the two mics, I am Greg, and we will see you next time right here on the SportsLogos.net LogoCast. And as Mike likes to say, have a good week, Internet. And, oh, yeah, go Rangers. We'll see you next time. Try again.